Inflation jumps to record highs. Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan are closing their business activities in Russia. We go over the biggest analyst calls of the day. Oracle on a silent disappoint. And of course, FTX is seeking a blessing from the U.S. government. This is the Running With The Money Briefing. Let's get into it. What is up and welcome to another episode of the Running With The Money Briefing powered by Pound and Table. Either way, we are back. We have the Dow Jones finishing down 112 points today. S&P 500 down 18 points and the NASDAQ down 125 points. This morning, we got that headline inflation number, the CPI print. Now, if you're new here and you don't know what in the world CPI is, it just sounds like a foreign three-letter word to you. Well, CPI actually stands for Consumer Price Index. It is a tool that the Federal Reserve and economists use to measure inflation. All it does is measure the prices of a wide-ranging basket of goods and services. That came in up 7.9% year-over-year in February or throughout the past 12 months. Now, economists and many investors were actually expecting 7.8%. The broader public, a lot of predictions were out there on social media that CPI was going to come in over 8%. That did not happen. We came in just under that, but still, 7.9% is extremely high. That's a fresh 40-year high, according to the Labor Department's Bureau of Labor Statistics, and also, it's the fastest pace we have seen that headline CPI number rise since January of 1982. Can you believe that? So a pretty darn crazy inflation metric we are getting here out of the CPI. Now shifting into a month-on-month basis, CPI was actually up 0.8%. That was ahead of the 0.7% expectation. So also a major increase there. When we really dig into this data, you see that food prices actually rose 1% and food at home jumped 1.4%. Energy was also up 3.5% in February. Now, shifting into core inflation, that rose 6.4%. That's in line with estimates in the highest since August of 1982. You go to a month-on-month core CPI reading, and that was up 0.5%, which was actually in line with expectations. Now, before we go, I want to mention that real inflation-adjusted average hourly earnings, which we also got this morning for the month of February, fell 0.8%. So that is also something to take into consideration. Now, shifting into our second headline of the day, We have Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan closing down business activities in Russia. Now, we got this news today through emails through CNBC. So according to CNBC, Goldman Sachs did release a statement. They went on to say, quote, Goldman Sachs is winding down its business in Russia in compliance with regulatory and licensing requirements. We are focusing or focused on supporting our clients across the globe and managing and closing out pre-existing obligations in the market and ensuring the well-being of our people. Now, according to Bloomberg, part of their statement actually noted that they are going to allow, this is Goldman Sachs, the trading of debt securities tied to Russia still. So they're closing down all operations, but they're going to allow the trading of debt securities tied to Russia to continue. The firm announced a quote, in our role as market makers standing between buyers and sellers, we are helping our clients reduce their risk in Russian securities, which trade in the secondary market, not seeking to speculate. Now, we also get a similar statement out of JP Morgan. The firm went on to say, quote, according to CNBC, 
in compliance with directives by governments around the world, we have been actively unwinding Russian business and have not been pursuing any new business in Russia. So both Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan winding down business in Russia. And this is just another shoe the drop in the long pattern of a lot of U.S. banks, a lot of U.S. institutions, and a lot of U.S. companies basically leaving Russia and not allowing business in the country. Now shifting into our biggest analyst calls of the day, we had a call on a Bank of America reiterating Amazon as a buy. The firm went on to say, quote, gas price impact on consumer spending is a risk to industry sales. But we would expect Amazon's share gains in retail to get a modest boost if gas costs remain elevated. So pretty much Bank of America saying here, look, maybe this increase in gas prices or price at the pump is good for Amazon. Maybe people stop going out and shopping in person, driving to locations to shop, and they'll just have Amazon deliver it. It's an interesting concept out of Bank of America. Now, we also had Piper Sandler reiterating Tesla as overweight. The firm went on to say, quote, nickel prices are garnering particular attention given their importance in battery manufacturing. But in our view, deteriorating U.S.-China relations are potentially more consequential in the long term. Tesla's China exposure is a major positive, but we must admit, if American companies are eventually used as pawns in a wider geopolitical conflict, then Tesla shareholders would likely suffer. So, Piper Sandler saying, look, we still rate Tesla as overweight. We still like the company, but you need to be aware of these risks. We also had Evercore ISI reiterating Apple is outperformed today. The firm went on to say, quote, most of the criticism of Apple TV or TV Plus seems to come from a misunderstanding of what Apple is trying to do goal is not to become Netflix, but instead to focus on high-quality scripted content and desirable sports rights. So in essence, Evercore ISI reiterating Apple's outperform and trying to let investors know what the difference is between Apple TV Plus and, for instance, a competitor such as Netflix. We also had Wells Fargo reiterating Disney as overweight. The firm went on to say, quote, Disney, a year ago, the market loved streaming. Now, it hates it. Disney is a way to keep some exposure to streaming sediment possibly improving with protection offered by the strong performance in parks. So, in essence, Wells Fargo is saying here, look, guys, we like the streaming space still, but a lot of those peer streaming names have absolutely gotten killed and investors don't like them. So, a good way to get exposure to the space while investors really aren't favoring those type names is to go with Disney, which is also a travel-related name and recovering. And then finally, BTIG upgraded CrowdStrike to buy from neutral today. The firm another say, quote, we are upgrading CRWD to a buy rating following a stronger than expected fourth quarter of 2022 report and initial full year 2023 growth outlook. So the firm, BTIG, liking what they're seeing when it comes to earnings in the year ahead with CrowdStrike upgrading that name to a buy from neutral. Now, shifting into Oracle earnings, which we just got here after the bell, so we don't have an immense amount of detail, but we do have the headline numbers. Earnings per share came in at $1.13 versus $1.18 that was expected. Revenue came in at $10.51 billion versus $10.51 billion that was expected. So, total revenue coming in in line. Oracle's revenue, therefore, increased 4% year over year. And then finally, net income declined by 54% to $2.32 billion in relation to two investments in Oxford Nanopore and the operating loss at ARM server, chipmaker, and peer computing. So, not looking all too good over at Oracle. 
If you take a look at the after hours price action, Oracle's down 5.52%. So currently, investors not all too happy with those Oracle results after the bell today. And then also, we recently got Asana earnings. You take a look at those numbers, and investors have definitely not been all too happy with those results. The stock was down 22% today on those numbers. Fourth quarter fiscal 2022 revenues coming in at $111.9 million, still up 64% year over year. Operating loss widening to $87.1 million from $51 million. So this recent operating loss represented 78% of revenues compared to the same time last year where operating loss represented just 75% of revenues. Also, net loss widening at Asana coming in at $90 million compared to $61.5 million in the fourth quarter of 2021. And then finally, cash flows, cash flow from operating activities. They were negative at $39.3 million. Ouch. Not all too good compared to the negative $18.2 million um, at the same time last year. So the numbers aren't looking great for Asana aside from revenue growth, all their losses widening. Now looking ahead to the first quarter of fiscal 2023, Asana expects revenues of $114.5 to $115.5 million, which represents year-over-year growth of 49 to 51%. Still, not all too bad, but they expect that non-GAAP operating loss to be anywhere within the range of 68 to $66 million in a non-GAAP net loss per share of roughly $0.36 cents to $0.37. Cents. So still some losses there. We did get commentary out of management. The company went on to say, quote, our fiscal year revenue growth accelerated versus the previous year, led by strength in the enterprise and strong demand across the consumer base. Moving forward, many of the most recognized companies in the world are choosing Asana as their platform for cross-team work. Our project strategy is resonating, and the addressable market is large, representing over 1.25 billion knowledge workers. We are cementing our leadership position by increasing investments further to meet this large and growing enterprise demand. So, Asana Management seems to be quite confident with the company. And by the way, that was their co-founder and chief executive officer, CEO, Dustin Moskovitz. Now, shifting into our final headline of the day, FTX seeking U.S. blessings for clearing margin-based retail trades. Now, what in the world does this mean? Really, all you're seeing is FTX attempting or their Ledger X division attempting to get registered with the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission for Retail traders is really all they're trying to do here. They're trying to get permission from the regulators to apply its, quote, non-intermediated clearing model to retail trading in margined products. So they're just trying to allow a little more freedom to retail traders and not just institutional investors. So that is a very interesting headline out of FTX. It'll be interesting to see what all happens there. Now, on quote, according to the CFTC, FTX would still require initial margin from clients and then also a maintenance deposit. So some very interesting stuff coming out of FTX, trying to get a few uh, more options or some more optionality for retail traders. Now, shifting away from FTX, that is the show. I thank you all for listening to another episode of the Running With The Money Briefing. In the meantime, please go give my boys over at Pounding the Table a listen anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And also, please go and give me and my team a follow at Running With The Money on Instagram or 
Facebook, or simply follow me on Twitter at Luke Danae. In the meantime, you sleep profit, trade on, and I will see you tomorrow.